This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God and how does that affect us in today's world? In this week's message, we're going to talk about three things that mark Jesus' reign as king and how its implications apply to us as kingdom people. Please stay with us. Have you ever heard someone say, That was so good it was out of this world? The Bible talks about Jesus being Lord of a kingdom that is not of this world. So what kind of king is Jesus? And what does it mean for us to be kingdom people in today's culture? Let's talk about that together. First, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to us. Thank you that, Jesus, you have established a kingdom of grace and love and mercy, inviting each one of us to be a part of your life and a part of what you are up to in this world. Bless us now as we hear again the truth of your word, inviting us to celebrate and live as God's people in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's gospel is recorded in John chapter 18, beginning with verse 33. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your own people and your own chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this very reason I was born. For this very reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. And with this he went out to see the Jews again and said, I find no basis for any charge against this man. All who believe in Jesus Christ become part of the kingdom of God. That kingdom is not a political entity, nor a geographic turf of ground here on earth. The kingdom of God is everywhere that Jesus is allowed to rule. Theologically, we talk about God being omnipresent, everywhere present at the same time. But in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So there's one place that Jesus is present by invitation only. That's into the sphere of the human heart. Jesus comes to express his love and, 
and his devotion to us as the Savior who has come to rescue us and to reunite us with our Heavenly Father. But he seeks access to our life and invites his presence into our lives. When we say, come in, Lord Jesus, we are inviting Jesus as king to rule in us. So the kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom embedded into the world everywhere that a believer in Christ lives. So how does one enter this kingdom of God? I'm a grandpa, so I watch children's movies, and recently I saw again C.S. Lewis's tale from the classic series Chronicles of Narnia, the first movie based on the books that he wrote in the series is called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It documents a story of four children in England who discover the kingdom of Narnia and the port of entry is a wardrobe closet in a big old country house. They enter the kingdom of Narnia where Aslan the lion rules and they're trying to regain the kingdom from a witch who has kept the kingdom in continual winter for over hundreds of years. It's a fascinating story. But we actually enter not a fantasy kingdom alluding to God's power. We enter the reality of God's kingdom through Jesus Christ himself. Remember when Nick came to Jesus at night in John chapter 3? And he said, We're no, we know you're from God. No one can do the extraordinary things you do except he's from God. No one can speak with the eloquence you speak unless he has the wisdom of God. How does one enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus told Nicodemus, You must be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit. So it's the power of God that births us into the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus by faith. Christian baptism is an entrance into this grace by the initiative of God. Not unlike the incarnation of Jesus, God radically comes in his initiative to bring us into his kingdom. Maybe the analogy suitable would be adoption. So it is the power of God that initiates the relationship, who pays for the adoption, and whose legal covenant binds the father to the adopted child. Yet even at this analogy of Christian baptism, the child can grow up to reject the father and run from the privilege of all that it means to be a part of that family. So in Romans 5, it says, having been justified by our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name, we have access to this grace 
in which we live. So it's by faith in Jesus that we enter this kingdom of grace. And Jesus himself said, I am the door. Anyone who enters through me shall go in and out and find pasture. Remember the thief hanging, dying on the cross, who turned to Jesus and addressed him as if he was a ruler for the future, though he also was dying on the cross, and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Luther said, In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come. And he said in the meaning, God's kingdom indeed comes without our praying. But in this prayer, we pray that Jesus' kingdom would come to us. The port of entry into the kingdom of God is the person of Jesus himself and our surrender to Jesus our receiving Jesus as the Son of God and our Savior. So what does it mean then for us to swear allegiance to Jesus as King? And what does it mean for us to be kingdom people in today's world? I want to talk with you about three things that mark Jesus' reign as King and have implications to us in how we will live as kingdom people. When we say Jesus is all-powerful as Lord and he's my king and I'm a part of his kingdom, we usually think of that as elevating our lives to a position of privilege. And indeed it is. But usually we define that privilege in terms of earthly material goods or money or a freedom from the difficulties of this world. But what does it mean that Jesus ruled from a cross? And what does it mean that Jesus rode a donkey? And what does it mean that Jesus as king washed dirty feet? First, to say that Jesus rules from a cross means that we have placed our trust in a crucified Messiah. That the whole of the kingdom of God is based on a foundation of forgiveness and grace. That it is not on the basis of performance or perfection to we who are in the kingdom, but it is based on the promise of the king that he forgives all his people, and that they belong to him by virtue of his favor flowing from the heart of God. A man came into my office and sat down. He had such a need to unburden himself, it was almost like a sick person emptying out his stomach as he confessed that he was in deep trouble His marriage was struggling. He was in danger of losing the family farm by a number of flawed financial decisions. And recently he had gone on a fishing trip and ended up 
in bed with one of the women who worked there, and the stress of all the finances related to his farm had led him to get high on drugs a number of times. In the midst of all this flow of confession of his immoral choices and what he knew was wrong and sin, he paused and he looked at me and locked eyes with me and said, But can Christ forgive me? We talked then about how that's why the good Lord came. That's why Jesus, who was king, emptied himself of his power and glory and became willing to be obedient to death on a cross so that sinners like you and I could receive gladly the promise of grace and new beginnings, that we could repent of our sins and that we would walk fresh hand-in-hand with Jesus as our Lord. That man got up from our prayer time, having believed that Jesus had forgiven him. He went home to not only work to repair his marriage, but to save his farm. But he got up from his knees, filled with hope in the kingdom of Jesus based on forgiving grace. That means that as we live with heart's allegiance to Jesus as King, that we are going to lead with that same grace toward others that we ourselves have received from Christ. We lead with love, not judgment. We lead with love, not the law. It also means that as God on the cross embraces us in our darkest moments of struggle and suffering, that we should also offer grace and sensitivity and compassion to the people we encounter. I'm struck with the phrase that Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision, wrote into the leaf of his Bible. He wrote, Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Second, we remember that Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem. That means that we as kingdom people are going to move through life in humility, the same humility that Jesus showed when he lived in our world. Humility means that we recognize our proper position in relation to God and that we submit to divine grace and power, that we live with self-restraint from vanity or self-absorption or arrogance. We realize our smallness in the presence of God's greatness. That's what Paul wrote about in Philippians chapter 2 when he said, Have the same mind as Jesus. Have the same love, being of the same spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others before yourself. Look to the interests of others. 
So what does a life of humility look like? It means no task is too demeaning or beneath my dignity, that I live with no notion of my superiority over others. I lose all sense of entitlement. There's no place for arrogance in my life, and I live in a continual awareness of my dependency upon Jesus' grace. Meekness is not weakness, rather strength under the control of Christ. But then thirdly, we follow Jesus the King who washed his disciples' feet. That means that as kingdom people, we're going to serve others in love as Jesus has served us. My granddaughter Ruby, at six years of age, playing summer baseball, got a hit, and she was running from first to second. But her good friend was playing second base on the opposing team. So between first and second base, she paused to hug her friend before she continued to run around the bases. Maybe we'd do well to carry ourselves with that kind of loving kindness instead of being so driven and competitive in how we live every day. We're going to serve others in love. Henry Nouwen said, We speak of love only as a feeling. But if we wait for a feeling of love before every showing love, we would never learn to love well. The feeling of love is beautiful and life-giving. But our loving can't be based only on feeling. To love is to think, speak, and act according to the spiritual knowledge that we are already infinitely loved by God and called to make that love visible in this world. More than that, we live in a world that says that we only need to love people who have proven to us that they're worthy of love or that they have enough value in our eyes that we would show them love. But Jesus says that we should embody love and unconditionally love other people in the same way that God has loved us. So what does serving other people in love look like? It means that we would pray for them, bear their burdens, listen with compassion and sensitivity, offer them encouragement, See the good in people and draw it out by our affirmation. And every day pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us so that we shine with the love of Jesus as we relate to others. Well, where should we begin to show that love? I encourage you to begin by showing that love to people that are closest to you in life. Often, we can show kindness, patience, and forbearance toward people we don't even know, but then come home to our lives, shared with family or spouse, and treat them surly and grumpy, and not with kindness or respect or dignity or love. I like what preacher Andy Stanley said, maybe the greatest contribution to the kingdom of God will not be what you do, but someone that you raise. Serving others in love and offering the same forgiving grace and reconciliation that God has given us. 
is a powerful way for us to live as kingdom people. Never forget that as you live day to day as people of King Jesus, that he lives to serve you. He rules from a cross to pour out grace greater than all your mistakes and failures. He lives in humility to serve your needs in love every day. So with confidence, live as kingdom people today. And God will use your life to bless others because you have a life bonded to Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, when you went to the cross and died for our sins and then were raised from the dead on the third day, you not only showed the type of king you are, offering your love for us in a way that reconciled us to God and forgave us all our sins, but you were raised from the dead to promise us that we would have new life in you and be raised to be a part of your kingdom of love. By your Spirit, teach us every day how to live as kingdom people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear this blessing of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to live as kingdom people, bonded to Jesus Christ as you use your life to bless others. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders depends on the generosity of its listeners to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Please consider, if you are able to do so, a gift to help us in this mission. Some listeners have joined our GEM, or Gift Every Month Club. They make a regular monthly gift of any amount. If you would like to become a GEM Club member, please call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH or 1-888-693-2484. Gifts may also be directed to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. All gifts are tax-deductible. If you've enjoyed today's message and would like to hear it again, we encourage you to check us out on the web. Our new, redesigned website address is christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. The website features a link to both audio and printed versions of today's program. Were you aware that you can now receive an audio copy of today's program on your computer, tablet, or other electronic device without even having to search it out each week? To avoid the risk of missing an episode of Christian Crusaders, simply sign up for our podcast. Subscribe today on our website at christiancrusaders.org. We are pleased you are able to worship with us, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Today's program has been led by our associate speaker, Rev. Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.